Welcome to Honest Talk about heartbreak, dating, and relationships. Relationships. The podcast helping you navigate your path to happy ever after with your host, Rob McPhillips. Okay, so the, the topic um, today is the built-to-last relationship. So the, the, the built-to-last relationship for me is, is a relationship where um, both parties in the relationship want to be in the relationship because they believe that it's, it's going to make their life better than being alone or being with anyone else. So, hi, Sasha. So the question is, how do we build that? So what we're going to do, we're going to go into breakout rooms and the question I'm just going to share. So the question is, um, what I'd like you to discuss in the, in the uh, discussion groups is the last relationship that you were in or the most significant relationship that you've been in, what happened to break it? And what was, what was missing? Um, if you're comfortable with it, is to, as briefly as you can, write in the chat box um, what you think was the cause of, of, your, of the breakup or what was missing in your last relationship. But if you can not put anything that would personally identify anyone, um, and what I'd like, what I'll um, have a look at doing, we'll have a look at it here, but also um, I'd like to kind of break down what the reasons were and then sort of look at them in, in dynamics as in what can we do um, in the future. So, so you just, Rob, you just want the reasons for the breakup. You're, you, you're yeah. wanting us to write down why did, what yeah, did you think was missing? Yes. Um, so, so what caused the breakup? Was it, you know, like it could be incompatible, grown apart. It could be uh, infidelity. It could be whatever the reasons are. Um, and yeah, what, or what was missing. Okay. So we've got uh, mismatched values, lack of honesty, lack of communication, um, uh, maturity, lack of excitement, um, intimacy, humor, um, held back, just apart, poor communication. Okay. So we've got communication. It's a big one. Uh, excitement. Um, I'm going to class uh, personal foundations like emotional um, communication, compatibility, or infidelity. Okay, is there anyone who who wants to talk about what they talked about in their group? I will. Okay. Um, so who's who is this? Ahead of us. Ah, oh, Daz. Go on then, Daz. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think there was two parts to the question. Um, I've just put a number of things on the chat. Um, one of the things is lack, lack of flexibility. So, you know, whether you think should, things should waver between 60, 40, 50, 50. In, in some instances, things were going 80, 80 20. That, that's what that person expects or wants. And if they don't get what they want, they'll use a, a number of things like uh, jealousy, um, mm -hmm. 
when things weren't going how they expected. Um, adding men on Facebook uh, that I knew would bother me. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of like playing games. Playing uh, games, playing games yeah. Uh, I'm not saying all the time, give the woman some credit, but I, I saw that that we, a mutual mate uh, used to like a lot or comment a lot of lady oh. pictures. And she accepted his friend request and I kind of commented on it and she just went, yeah, well, I see that we're still on and off, but you've booked a, w- a weekend away with your mates. Um, you know, I'm not going to get up to anything. It's just booze. Um, and because she didn't like it, even though we were, you know, weren't officially seeing each other, we're still communicating because she didn't like it. She said, well, I knew it didn't annoy you that I'd, I'd, I'd have, a, have this bloke as a friend. Okay. So games and that's somebody's just commenting saying trying to control me and yeah, like I say, mind games and there was a number of mind games because I was very close to a young son as well, very close at times. He wanted to spend time with me rather than his mum. I'm not calling her, um, but he was a little boy and wanted to play football. And Darren, I want to play football with you. So she knew she had that factor where. I was close or she could use him to get to me. Okay. It wasn't my son. So was it like that in the beginning or was that how it became? That's how it became. Yeah. Towards that scale. I think more that, you know, whether she thought six months down the line, a year down the line, it still wasn't going down the route that she expected down that timeline. Uh, then things started to change like you know well, well I thought we might live together after 18 months or um, I still expect you to stay over but at one point her son was getting into the bed every night oh. punching and kicking and not violently as two and three year old boys would do um, stretching out in the bed or then he went through a stage of wetting the bed so it's, I really want to um, spend my evening so, um, what happened um, before? So, what, what led to that? So, that was kind of... Um, I don't know. Just things probably not, not going, like I said, her way. Enough that you know I'm, I'm just whether gonna, you still see sorry, friends. Dad, still... Sorry, Daz. I'm just going to mute everyone. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you sorry, said what, what led to that, did you? Hmm. Maybe that maybe just eventually you start to find out what their expect, uh, expectations are or what they see as how they see how a relationship should be or they look at other relationships and if somebody spends six nights a week with, with their partner suddenly you start to find out what their expectations are but then you've got two people are probably or even three because there's a child involved um, that still have feelings towards each other uh, so okay. I don't know whether some of it was bitterness. So sometimes she might be sat in watching TV, and I'm got off to the pub with some mates. But yeah, okay. Going, I'm stuck in with a child, and mm. I, think, I think some of them comments used to come out. Um, but a couple of friends said, "But that wasn't your commitment. It's not your son. If you want to see your mates one night a week, you sh- she shouldn't be bitter or angry towards you because." She chose to. That's nothing against any of the females. Is she chose? She wanted to be a mother. Okay. So um, yeah. So it's, it's 
so it became bitter because there was a lack of clarity. There wasn't the expectations. She became upset. Um, and maybe there was like, you know, things just weren't as you would want them to be. And so there was, um, that became the behaviours. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then clashing, you know, over, like I said, over opinions and um, about, you know, there's a few times where she's stuck in five night, four or five nights a week. She gets two nights free uh, without a son. And both of them nights she spent with me. Uh, was there any other um, any other examples? Because we, we, we're going to try and look at a few different um, examples that we can use. Okay, so can I go? Yeah, sure. Okay, so in our group, we had, I think, um, two examples. Uh, that's all we had time for. Uh, one of them was, uh, we felt was perhaps uh, a couple growing apart and there being no communication between them until one of them drops the bombshell on the other one. Um, and perhaps but the issue was lack of communication again, but maybe they grew apart. Um, and the other one was around, uh, again, uh, maybe perhaps compatibility one partner not finding the other one as interesting as they wanted to be. Um, and again, there appeared to be no communication until more or less the last minute, shall we say, um, when, when one partner is ready to walk out on the other one. In a nutshell, I mean, I can go into details if you want, but, you know. No, okay. that's a good summary, Errol. Yeah. Okay, so, yes, yeah, so, so basically, so again, this is, when the connection is kind of gone, it's kind of gone be without the communication. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, okay. Yeah. So, you know, in, in both cases, there appeared to be no communication until the last minute. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the, the commonality there is, is that, um, like Daz was saying, that, that there isn't the expectation, there wasn't a communication in, in terms of knowing what both were expecting. Yeah. There became bitterness. Because, Yes, exactly. Because I think the question originally was, how can you build lasting what went wrong in your relationship and so on? And I think that can be a very difficult question to answer what went wrong. Yeah. Because when multi millions of things can go wrong. Uh, and the longer time you spend together, the more possibilities of things going wrong. And but it wasn't, um, but Errol, the question wasn't what went wrong. It was what was missing. Yeah. So... Yeah, it that's yeah. kind of different because a lot of things can go wrong, but yeah, exactly. you know kind of what's missing though, don't yeah. you? Because yeah. and, and in the back of your mind, there's that feeling of, I like this person, but it isn't quite right. there. Yeah. You know? yeah, and that communication wasn't there for, in, in both cases. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was what went wrong um, and then what was missing, so we, which is the, the next kind of step. Okay, so both of those were really about, well, a, a lack of clarity, a lack of communication. Um, and that's when things start to go wrong. Um, or you're only aware of it once things have, have gone wrong. Uh, is there a, anyone else? I, um, I could uh, go. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, yes. Yeah, sorry. Um, so in, well, I'll talk broadly about the group. So we, we, we had a three people that spoke and, and again, there was lack of communication, um, long distance relationship, uh, one person had and, um, 
then growing apart um, two actually had long distance relationships and um, there was no intimacy in communication it was just day-to-day -day mundane but the actual fulfillment within you know emotional fulfillment within communication maybe wasn't there um, and then um, personally my uh, latest uh, relationship um, <clears throat> broke down because I think I didn't view him in a realistic way. I had kind of this romantic idea of who I thought he was <laughs> and that wasn't him at all. And it became clear over, <laughs> but it took a long time for the penny to drop for me. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm ashamed about, but that's the truth of it. Mm. Okay. So trying to look at what's common to, to all of them, it's kind of like, it's when you lose the connection. And when you lose the connection, you become aware that you can't communicate and you can't bridge that chasm. Yes. Is that, is that um, seems a bit. Okay. Um, so, so it can, it's also about the quality of communication, I think, was something that came up in our as well. So you can be talking to each other quite a lot, but obviously it's about the quality. It's about making sure that you know what that person still wants, I suppose, as well. It's kind of yeah. what we were talking about. I'd say the wants as well, though, because if you want different things, you can communicate until the cows come home as well as you possibly can communicate. But if one person's really set on one path, one in one direction and another's not, and in another direction, it's you, no matter how much you communicate, you can't bridge that gap. So, yeah, so, so uh, in turn, it's both being committed and talk, communicating on the same level. And also but wanting the same things in life, like wanting the same direction and wanting the same things, yeah. if in that makes sense. In terms of when you say wanting the same things. I know this is, a, this is a really sort of like generalized point, but say like one person's on like a self-development path, wanting to be better to other people, for example, and the other's just not bothered about that. They're interested in money or whatever, for example. Like if you don't, if you're not got the same direction in life, your values yeah the val sort of the values if you can't com you can communicate as much as possible and if you can't bridge that gap because of the different paths does that make sense i think i'd, I'd agree with that and i think i'd add to that sort of knowing what your emotional needs are and knowing what their emotional needs are and if you're aware that your needs aren't being met or their needs aren't being met and and sometimes it goes both ways you can you can know that you're feeling very lonely in a relationship but uh, and it's not just communication it's about do, can you actually provide that support to the person that you're with um and sometimes you can't you know you can't give and you can't receive you're not feeling you're receiving either and then that can become very sort of that can start to sort of mushroom and and become lots of you know kind of get worse as it were as it goes on what so if you're communicating and the person's lying mm. yeah mm. i had well was fine with communicating talking we even went to counseling um, and he still lied to the counsellor, so, yeah. you know, you can be communicating, but just not telling the truth. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I yeah. just put a comment a few moments ago to basically say the person wanted a lot of attention morning, during the day, even while I'm at work and and then in the evening. And I think it was touching on what Fiona was saying. It was 
their emotional needs was too much relying on me. Mm. It was like, hang on, I want you to spread your needs amongst your fed family and friends a bit more. So if you need somebody to talk to, you're lonely at night. I'm not saying six nights a week. But if you need some company or somebody to talk to, can't you talk to more fam family, more friends? Stop being so reliant on me 24-7. And it said, because, you know, I've got work that are reliant on me. I've got family. I've got friends. And, like, sometimes I go and see my sister for an hour a fortnight. And then it's like, oh, well, I'll be sat on here on my own for an hour. Like, talk to your sister. It's like all the pressure was on me. You know, you should want to be with me all the time. Okay. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the emotional, found, the, like personal foundations of being able to, to meet your own, you can't meet all your own needs, but being able to um, like need less because you can supply more for yourself. Can I, can I add something here? I think yeah, sure. um, when, when we say, well, certainly when I said communication, I think Pete kind of touched onto that as well. It's not just communication for the sake of talking to each other. Communication in the sense that is the quality of it in, the, in terms of trying to understand the other person and also being able to convey your own feelings and thoughts about the relationship. And it's mm -hmm. not to say that if you do that, your relationship will last forever. But what it does mean is that I think if your relationship is starting to head in a direction where it's going to break down, then either you can both see it and perhaps save it, or you can both come to the conclusion that actually the relationship is no longer right for the both of you and you have to go your own separate ways. Mm. So I think if you have that communication, that quality communication, as, as Pete quite rightly put it, then perhaps then you get that early warning signs that something isn't right here and we either sort it or we decide that we shouldn't be together. Can I make a comment as well, please? Yeah, I sure. can't help thinking, if I may, um, of, the, of the difference, in my opinion, of the way women and men conceptualize relationships and how we are programmed, I think, in a very different way. I think that women do have a romanticized view and they do have needs that are definitely uh, centered around that. And the men want very different things and their, their needs are met in a very different way. And they do need more space, I think. I don't know why, I can't help thinking that that may be a, a programming thing in the brain. Uh, there are certain differences, gender differences. Definitely. That's what I'm feeling here. I mean, I just, oh, sorry. No, sorry. I was, I, was, I was just going to say that in my particular instance, um, what happened in the end was I was trying to talk about the relationship all the time. And he, because I was searching for, I knew something was going horribly wrong. And I knew he knew it too. But my pushing to talk about it annoyed the hell out of him and yeah. drove him further away. And he would just Absolutely. say to me, you know, we can't talk about this relationship, you know, and, and then it would just even get terribly worse. <laughs> so it was just, it was just disaster. And it was absolutely that, I think, the, the way the ma male and the, I'm, obviously I have a very attached style and he had yeah. a very yeah. aloof style. And in yeah, the so end, I kind of yeah. thought, 
the styles just didn't match much yeah. as I'm still in love with this man. So, you know, yeah. it's a uh, tricky, very tricky. Yeah. But you yeah. can have a situation wherein one partner is um, trying to communicate and tries to share, uh, but the response that you get is so lukewarm or just total silence that you you are so discouraged that you you go into yourself you decide well there's no point in sharing because there is also i suppose it, it could be a stereotype but but let's use it anyway men like to solve problems and their way of sh showing care is to solve a problem so but sometimes a woman needs to talk about something and not, she's not asking you to solve a problem. She just wants you to hear her out. Exactly. I'm like that. I know that. I just want to let off steam. Just listen. I don't want you to solve the problem, but at least react, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's really bad. So and so and so. And, 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 and I'll be fine. But when you get silence, it says, are you even interested in what I just said? Did you even hear? But on the other hand, when they have a problem, you hear it in the most minute <laughs> of detail. It will last for hours, going on and on and on. And you are being so good listening and you're giving, you know, you're turning it over and your thing and whatever. And you're so supportive. Where is your support? Well, yeah, but we are mothers. We, we have maternal instincts inbuilt. So we are nurturing. We are more prone to listening and supporting. So I, what's emerging from here as well, it would be great to have in real life groups where uh, men and women meet up just to learn about each other. Because I think that if we don't do that as a society, it's going to get more and more difficult. It's, especially with the latest pressures because of COVID and virtual dating and all this. I do think there is a need to reaffirm who we are. It doesn't mean that we are different species. It just means, I think, that it's a different programming um, in the way we are. We have maternal instinct. The man has probably the hero instinct, which needs to be affirmed. And so many other facets to this story. Um, that's my take on it. And how on earth can we make it work when it's so diverse and complex unless we learn about each other and hear the differences? I think, I think it, might, it might be program, but programming, but it's also conditioning and it's the way we're brought up in our families with these gender roles, I think. And, um, you know, because not everybody completely conforms to you know, the, that, the way that yeah, you normally expect men or women. So yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree with it as a generalization, but I think the more we understand it, we can always kind of try and sort of come out of that conditioning slightly. Yeah, but yeah. that's what I'm, I'm saying. We should meet mm. in places in real life where people can hear, like now, mm. and uh, learn about each other. So we become less resistant. It's a that there's compromise that you need, you need to want to, to you, you have to be willing to, to, to want to go to meet part way. You want to, there's compromise involved and you want to, you know, accommodate 
whatever what, what, whatever the problem is you you want to to help to solve the problem you want to that's find another good point actually yeah do both parties want to find a resolve or, you know are, are both yeah. both people wanting a solution you know some people are silly want, wanting to find solutions and other people just are like oh, i don't want to hear it you know and that's just yes. very that is conflicting correct. that is correct true <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think, I think the two fundamentals for me of how you build a relationship is about knowing what to do and then is about the um, commitment to do it. Um, but I, just to summarise, I, I, I think um, communication, like Errol said, is so key because for me, communication is the way that you get to the truth. It's the way that you get to the reality because yeah. the goal of the relationship isn't to make the relationship work. Is to see can you be can you know we be ourselves and it work um and it's is to find out if you have that commitment if you have that integrity if you have all of those things um what what you said sandra is, is it, it made me laugh because that's so true um i find that in my relationships it's like solve the problem you know like what do you want to talk about anymore it's just do this do this and it's and it's like it is um it's I, I don't know how the other men feel, but I find that really hard to just. Okay, I'm just going to sit and listen. And... <laughs> <laughs> is there any men that find that that they can? That is that is certainly true, and I can. Um, um, I'm, I'm I have been guilty of that in in the early days in my relationship, and then I suddenly realised that she just wanted to tell me the same thing, and you know, and that was fine. Uh, it only got very difficult when you hear this exactly the same thing about four times in a day and then the next day it goes on again and then the next day and then after about 10 Yeah, but day, if you listen the first time, we wouldn't repeat it four times. Oh, no, I can re I can recite the whole thing back to her, but uh, she'll say yes. And then she'll... And it gets difficult. It gets boring after a while. You think, okay, I think I'll, women, I'll this one. Women, <laughs> women think out loud and are processing, like what helps what you might process in your mind. I think women process out loud. So they're just, yeah. they're like thinking out loud. I think that's what we do, you know. We're not necessarily yeah. wanting a solution. We're going like, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's all, it's all in there. We're getting it all out. Whereas perhaps you might not do that. Uh, you not, not have the need to do yeah. that. But yeah. we are literally thinking out loud and processing and getting it out. And then it's, it's kind of cathartic, I think, maybe. I, so, yeah. I think the yeah. key is, I, I think the key is, is that we may feel that we've listened, but it's, um, the, the woman in the sense of the woman in this instance, the woman has to feel that you've understood and it matters and it sort of, so that it validates. Am I right? In yeah. Yes. yeah. 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 I don't know. I think, is it not just about wanting to connect with your emotions really? Like we're talking it out because really we want to know what we're feeling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes there's a focus on facts rather, you know, or the, you know, you're telling a story, which is about things that happened, but actually the, the subtext is actually about emotions and it, it does someone pick up on that. And that's about empathy. And I think people do get frustrated when they have to spell out how they feel. Um, and maybe they want their partner to sort of intuit that sort of, um, you know, and you get into that whole, oh, I'm not a mind reader kind of category. If the, if that, if those lines of communication aren't, aren't clear. Um, so I guess there's this nice sweet spot in the middle where you don't have to fully explain yourself you know in like sort of a really prodding way 
you hope that somebody kind of is going to understand that if you went through a certain thing that day, you're probably feeling this or you're feeling that as a result. I, I think for me, that's where, you know, like the, the five love languages, I think that was a, a great book in the sense that it highlighted that people give and receive, uh, and receive love in, in a different way. But where I think it really fell short is I think it's a much bigger concept. I think we need to really understand someone and we need to understand like there's the inherent gender differences, which I, I think are, are an outcome of patriarchy. Um, and I think rather than just like a, it's acts of service or, or that, I think there's so much more. And I think the, the Gottman's talk about um, couples that, have a good relationship and work well together have a really detailed love map actually what i'm going to do now is i'm going to move on to what does the research say about how you build a relationship that lasts then we'll break out for another discussion um and then i'm going to tell you some of my ideas that i've developed based on that so um Okay, so we've got, we've got that. Okay, so, so I, I mean, um, most of this research comes from the Gottmans, which I think there's, there's lots of different relationship books and, and things, but they tend to do a part of it, whereas Gottmans, I think, have the best model of a relationship that works. Um, and so most relationships, like the final, the straw that breaks the camel's back is, is usually betrayal. And it's where someone, so it means that the relationship has been breaking down for a while. So that research shows that on average, couples will wait six years before they actually go to counselling or, or, or try to fix a, a problem. It's kind of their underlying, it's been there for a long time. So it's not usually a sudden thing. But what usually breaks it is where there's a betrayal it, it could be infidelity but it, it, not necessarily it could be where someone goes to share something with their family and they talk about them outside of the relationship or it could be where um they're in a situation where they need them to be there for them and they're at no like i'm at work or i've got this to do um where they don't feel listened to um so or so people talk about uh, you know, most of the reasons people typically use for a, a breakup is that we grew, we grew apart, we're incompatible, um, it became abusive, um, or some kind of betrayal. So, what on a longer term, um, what makes relationships not work is, is um, what the Gottmans call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And that is criticism where someone's uh, criticizing and it becomes, it's not the fact that we have conflict, but it's how we deal with that conflict. So if we, when we deal with conflict and, and it becomes criticism, which is you always do this and it's, it becomes generalized and it becomes an attack on the person and not on the behavior. Um, and so people don't like to hear that people find that difficult. And so they become defensive and so then what you've got is you've got one on the attack and you've got one who's putting up a wall and they're withdrawing. And, and so, so that's where communication breaks down. After criticism, another, another um, one of the horsemen is 
contempt, where over a period of time, people come, become bitter, people become unhappy and, and feel disappointed in the relationship. And so they become contemptuous of the person. And so that's where trust and, and respect break down. And the, the final one is, is stonewalling. And stonewalling is where particularly men, it's 80% men, will just shut down and just not, not communicate. And it's like, you know, typically women will say that, you know, that I, I talk to my partner, I, you know, I try and talk about the relationship and I just get nothing from them. Sorry, and can you just say those four things again? Because you froze up. I've got criticism, contempt. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, where you're denying it and, and um, not dealing with it, and stonewalling. And so stonewalling seems like someone doesn't care. It seems like they, they, you know, they just cut out, you know, I say this and you just get nothing. But actually what they found in their research was that men react far more to conflict. So it seemed that someone was stonewalling and just didn't care. But actually um, when it was typically a man and his stress levels were through the roof, and it's what they call flooding. You can't cope with it. And, and so really what men do when, when they can't cope is they either become aggressive and it becomes violent or they shut up. And, um, and so that can be a, a, an issue where, in, uh, where it becomes abusive is where people don't know how to deal with the emotions that they feel um, and then they lash out. And, you know, you, like, you've got one person who's just stonewalling, someone else is coming in, coming in and pushing and provoking, and that, that can reach a point where it becomes violent. <clears throat> so really what, why, these call, why these cause a relationship to break down is they're about they stop the communication. Because the key to a, a the fundamental key to a relationship that works is the connection. It doesn't, you don't have to be compatible in the sense that you don't all have to like the same things. You don't have to have the same hobbies. Um, you, th obviously there's a certain level of compatibility, like Sasha was talking about the values of, um, you're not going to trust and respect someone who has completely different values that you see as completely alien, but you don't need to have the same hobbies. And, and that isn't necessarily a part of compatibility compatibility because if you have the connection you don't mind that they're they're off doing these other things but it's when that connection's lost and that connection's lost over time over instances but and when we can't bridge that with communication so how do you get that climate and that structure of relationship that you can have that communication so the Gottmans, um, their book, The Seven Principles That Make Marriages Work, and they talk about seven key principles. And that is really what we touched upon there um, in, in, the term, in the sense of understanding each other, which is having richly detailed love maps. And what they talk about love maps is understanding really what the other person needs from you, what the other person, how they feel. And this is... Um, what we typically do is we think we know people and this can be a, a, a reason why involving friends and family in, in relationship um, can be problematic because when we look at the people we know, we have an idea of them 
and yet people are always changing and they're changing in uh, you know in a, a relationship the dynamic is that we change as the relationship changes our behavior changes depending on how we feel in that relationship and how safe secure um, how loved we feel so it's it's understanding all the time and having a curiosity and an interest and so sandra when you were talking about people um listening to you that's really um about paying attention understanding what's going on on your day how you feel about it and not um, um what we can i think perhaps typically us as, as men, but all of us think that we know someone because we've been with someone 10 years and yet in that 10 years, they're going to evolve and they're going to change how they react and we change day to day. So it's having a curiosity and wanting to know what works for the other person. The second principle is um, fondness and admiration. And what they um, talk about is that is a relationship salvageable? And the way that they find that out is, is they say, they ask about what happened, like how did you meet? And they talk about the early days of the relationship and couples that have fondness and admiration, they say that's what distinguishes whether a relationship is salvageable. So the next one is uh, turning towards each other. They talk a lot, governments talk a lot about bids. So when someone starts a conversation, um, and sometimes, like Errol said, it can be the same conversation. Um, that's really not about necessarily communicating. Or it can be, you know, like, oh, it's a lovely day out there. And the other person will go, yeah, so what? Um, and, and what that's really about is they're initiating a bid. And so what, what you talked about, Daz, um, with your ex, that's a bid for attention, but in a negative sense. And so it's being sensitive to those bids. And um, I, I think the Gottmans have a, a ratio. I think it's uh, five to one that we recognize and pick up on that bid. And we understand it's not like the banal thing that they're saying, but it's the intention to connect. So the next one is accepting influence from the partner. And this is typically, and I think it comes from patriarchy where typically women um, tend to feel that not unheard and not listened to and like men will make decisions without them. And so it's, it's taking in someone's, someone else's point of view and allowing yourself to be influenced by it. So number five is to identify the difference between solvable and perpetual problems. So the Gottmans talk about, there being solvable problems and solvable problems are it's temporary. It's the fact that you've, you know, one partner is worn out from the, from looking after the children. One person is, is worn out from, they've got a project project on at work. So it's based around a temporary issue. That issue will change. And, and so it will go. And so it's a, a solvable issue. Whereas a perpetual problem is a problem where it's the problem of values. It's a problem of um, how you how you relate to how you value things like money, sex, um, career, children, 
um, in-laws. And these are recurring problems that are always going to come about because you have fundamentally different outlook. You don't necessarily have to have the same because you're never going to find someone who has exactly the same values as you. There's always going to be a point where you're going to differ and split off. But what you have to be able to have, <clears throat> what you have to be able to have is the ability to communicate and, and live with the differences that you have. The uh, number six is about turning gridlock into dialogue. So when you reach a stage where you, you, you know, maybe argue and then you argue each stage and you realize that we've, we've got stalemate, we're not going to get anywhere. And it's being able to, to rise above the conflict and have the respect for each other and the trust that you can talk about it and work it out. So the last principle is, this is where I lose my paper. The last principle is uh, shared, developing shared sense of shared meaning. So it's, it's kind of like a little bit spiritual in a sense that you have something bigger than the relationship is about having a, a vision of creating a, a, a life for family and what your life's really about. Um, and I think that that touches on, on Sasha's point about you have to have someone who's compatible in, in those sense of values. So, okay. So th that's basically um, the literature in a nutshell of how we, how we build relationships that work. So, we're going to go into the breakout rooms so we have time for everyone to, to, to talk and um, share their views and we can talk in, in smaller groups. So there's four people in a, in a group. So um, if we go for 12 minutes, um, so each person has three minutes. Is that okay? So the question that we're going to go for are, what do you think are the keys? What are the fundamental building blocks of a relationship that lasts? Our group made real headway. We, we you know, we had some good discussion going and we decided that um, these seven points are really good ideas. I think that reading, the, me personally, I think reading the book by um, Gottman will give us further explanation if there's something that we're not quite sure about. Mm. But we also decided that um, reflecting on our own behavior to nurture emotional intelligence is really important. Self-knowledge, which I think we can gain from um, self-reflection, is really important because then you know what your values are and what your standpoint is on certain things and being reasonable. You know, if, if somebody wants to go out for an hour a week, they go out for an hour a week, you know. It's, if they yes, come, so they understanding out, and... you know, if they go out for the hour, for that hour between 10 and 11 and they come in drunk, well, that's, that's not quite the same thing, you know. So being reasonable on both sides and making compromises. I think that's a really good point, that Barbara. Being reasonable. 
True. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, compromising is good. Two, two great words. Just say be reasonable. But it works, you know, both ways. Yeah. Um, yes. Today I I um said I'd just like to go and have a KFC <laughs> and a, and a sit down KFC, you know, and and you know I was I, I could go off on my own and have a sit down KFC, but I don't have to do that every day. Yeah, it's it's con concern for the other person, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, anyway, so I'm actually going to put my husband first now in his family, and I have to go. Oh. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, bye thank bye. you for joining bye. us. Bye. 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 Okay. Does anyone else want to discuss um, or put in the chat um, as well? Um, yeah, we got. Um, we, we we touched on a few bits and pieces. So um, the fundamental buildings, I mean, again, we sort of talked around communication um, being one of the key points uh, as usual. Um, but we also uh, talked about commitment from both parties to work at it. So that desire to keep things going in that um, sometimes people are intolerant of the other person and they just give up uh, rather than trying to look for solutions. I appreciate that there is a limit to everything. Uh, we are not saying tolerance forever, but what we are saying is that there needs to be a commitment from both parties to make the relationship work, rather than thinking, well, you know, you're not 100% what I want to see, so that's it, forget it, I'm just going to go for something else. Um, so that's that. And that kind of led us on to the conversation around tolerance of the other person's journey in life, if you like. Because everybody is work in progress in some way. Everybody is developing, everybody is changing, and hopefully everybody is improving themselves in some way or discovering things about themselves. And is the other person tolerant of that person's journey and maybe supportive as well so they can understand their weaknesses? And they're not just saying, well, you got that weakness, it's your problem, you deal with it. And oh, by the way, you're so irritating, oh my God. But um, it's more about saying, okay, is there anything I can do to help you or support you in that journey? And again, all of these things are with a caveat of um, there is a limit to everything, of course, but so long as uh, we accept uh, that the two people are there or thereabouts in terms of, um, the, in terms of their uh, compatibility, in terms of value systems, then um, I will say we, what we are saying is the tolerance of the other person's weaknesses and desire to support them in their life journey is the kind of things that we should do. And the other thing that we kind of touched on a little bit was um, um, fundamental is being an individual. So uh, if you are a over-reliant person, for example, on someone else, then you're not kind of a self-made individual just yet. Uh, if you've got some fundamental issues that, that you, know, you cannot be on your own, or you, you know, then that may become an overburdensome on the other person. You kind of need to be comfortable with who you are and what you are, um, so that uh, I, I suppose you can you can be yourself. That you you are not always because what the, the, the way the conversation went was: um, is it possible for someone potentially to be maybe so uh, lacking confidence in themselves? that they end up being under the influence of the other person, almost the other person telling them how they should be and what they should be like. 
and that again will not work because whether it's a, a male or a female uh, they need to be confident enough to say yeah okay i'm not perfect i'm still being made but then at the same time i have enough confidence in myself to know that that is not a problem in myself that's perhaps your problem trying to project it onto me so they need to be an individual to be able to self-criticize i suppose and say well actually no i don't think that's a problem or i don't see it as a problem you know um i, I think i'm okay there but i appreciate that i have issues over here so that comes back to a bit of a maturity of character i think um so we saw that as a thing um but i would also add to that although we didn't discuss it personally i would add to the trust and reliability uh if you do not trust your partner to have your best interest at heart uh, if you do not trust your partner, just trust as, as overall that they're going to do the right thing and they're not reliable. So uh, I think that can fundamentally break any relationship, really. Anyway, yeah. I'll get off my yeah. soapbox. No, I think they're, they're, all, they're all good points, I think, yeah. And just that as well, I really like what you said, by the way, but as it's, I think people need a creativity as well to problem solving. So if there's an issue in the relationship, you're either attracting each other or repelling each other. And it's being aware of that attraction or repulsion and knowing that if there's a repulsion there that you need to be creative to, to make that part attract again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And that, that's where we think the desire to try to make it work comes in. So um, if you're always saying, okay, you have a problem. So that means we have a problem because it's a relationship. Yeah. And so therefore your problem is my problem. Um, and I can help you, but me helping you doesn't mean that I'm going to solve it for you. Uh, you have to, it's your journey, it's your life. You have to solve it. But if I need to play a role to support you, then I need to play that role quite happily and quite willingly. Yeah, you know, so that, that's the point where you're trying to be creative to bring the repulsion back to a yeah, connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're kind of turning that back onto the person and saying, but you need to be in charge of your own life journey, not your partner. You know, you need to be saying, this is what you're I need for myself. independent enough to, to exactly. match it there sort yeah. of thing, yeah. And that's what I meant, exactly. And thanks for that, because that's exactly the right word. So when I was saying you need to be a person, an independent person is what I needed to say. Uh, you need to be an independent enough person to know that you need to, I don't know, fix whatever it is. I don't know, you have a temper and you need to fix that, fine. Um, mm -hmm. Then what can the other person do to help you? Maybe they need to, um, I don't know, whistle something whenever you start losing your temper and that kind of helps you calm down or being, something. Being creative to solve the problem, isn't yes, it? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it requires both partners working at it. Yeah, and I yeah. think that's what we were saying is that it so needs both sure partners. To make sure you find the right person yeah. to do that together yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. And that requires that wanting to stick with it rather than, well, it's your problem. You have a temper, you go and Just sort it repel, out. Repel, repel, repel. Yeah. But then that means you're not ready for a relationship because nobody's um, working, for, nobody's self 100% made. Yeah. Um, and that person saying it is not 100% either. And we'll never will be, I suspect. Yeah. But are you close enough to help each other along their journeys, whatever that may be, that you support each other? And to do that, it comes back to what you were saying earlier on. Do you have the right value systems? So you value what the person is trying to do. You understand it and you agree with it. So you want to help them. Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference between helping someone and fixing it for them, isn't there? 
Yes. I think what you hit on towards the end is, you know, whether it's somebody trying to better their career or somebody who's got anger issues, you're there to support them, but not to resolve their issues, you know. That's right. That's right. So all I was going to say was we did say there was a caveat to that, that there's a limitation to everything, yeah. Um, you know, uh, if you take the anger issues, I mean, for example, if the guy is so angry that uh, he puts the uh, he, his girlfriend or his wife into hospital every other day, you know, she's not going to support him, and quite rightly so. In fact, he needs, to, he needs to go and get some professional help. Just what I mean. So there's a limit to everything. But yes, yeah. <laughs> We're in I, a healthy bound. I think where people get into problems um, when, in those kind of dynamics is that it becomes where one person says, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. I got angry. Um, and which is, you know, quite a common pattern in, in abuse. And it's like you say, people have to be um, able to independent in the sense of knowing where their boundaries are of knowing what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Because yeah. otherwise I think sometimes the, the, the conflict can be, you know, like you think, am I being unreasonable? You know, maybe, maybe it is me. Maybe it's me that's making them angry, which is what happens in the in the dynamics of a lot of abuse victims. I'm I'm interested to hear a little bit more, Sasha, about in what exactly you mean by in terms of being creative. So if 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 the if couple can sense there's a a repulsion and not a connection, um, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be like a logical, you know, you can just sense whether you feel connected to the person or not. Mm. And if you're not feeling that and you can feel that there's a, re a repulsion, it, it's about at that point going, okay, we can sense this. How do we bring it back to a connection here with this particular problem? And you try, you might try one thing and it might not work and just to stay creative on problem solving until that, that you find a connection. Does that make sense? In, yeah, to me, it, it's about like communication to, to whittle down to what it really is about. What, what will work for that individual couple? Mm. Like what, yeah. what solution might work for one couple might not work for another couple. So that's where the creativity needs to come in of what will work for us here. How can we make this fix this problem? Mm. Yeah, and I, then, I, yeah I, communicating until you find a solution that works for both people. For, for me, it's about communication is the way that you get to the truth. And once you get to the truth, you, you boil everything down to the, to the bare principles. And then it, it's become, the solution becomes obvious. And I, I think um, what Daz touched upon um, is what the Gottman say, like the, the, the motto of a, of a great relationship, of a great couple that have a great relationship is, uh, baby, when you, when, when you hurt, the world stops. And it's about you have that sense of trust and respect and care for the other person that, okay, right, let's just work out what the problem is. How do we, how do we um, resolve it? One of, um, oh, sorry. I was going to say one of the things that, um, that we talked about in, um, in, in our group was that um, we don't always individually know our own patterns in relationship and how we behave. You know, it's, I, I, I've, I think that it's quite common in relationship breakdown to apportion blame to the other person. 
but it may well be that we are <laughs> not um, cognizant of our own um, emotional responses and triggers and all of this. And if we can't relay that to the other part, you know, I think for me, what would make a wonderful relationship would be at the beginning, if we could both sit down and say, I'm crazy in this way. And they, he could say, I'm crazy in this way. And do our crazies meet, you know, but if we could talk about our, I mean, I'm using crazy, you know, our emotional uh, foibles. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a very valid point. I'm tempted to, to say this because not everybody is mature. We mature at different stages. We might have emotionally immature parts. And I think it's a very valuable point you've made, Eula, if that's how you pronounce your name. It is, yes. <laughs> I completely, I, I'm, um, I'm very uh, grateful for this insight. Yeah, I, I think um, the problem is that we do demonize, you know, when we lost that connection, we didn't demonize the other person. And, and we, then that's where we get into the narrative of the narrative is that it's this, because of this person. And so when people break up, most people, I don't think accurately, really have a grasp of why they broke up. And because, because it's so much about the content of what happened, they did this, they did this, they did this, and they will make this person out to be a demon. The, the other side is probably doing the same. And so all their friends and family are going, oh, oh it, was, it was them, it wasn't you. And so we don't learn. We don't learn. But the, the, the truth is very different. And so what we want to get is... Um, is to get to the truth of what's happening and and when we can do that and and that requires a lot of you know a strong emotional foundation but when we can do that we can say okay well you know like i really i really you know i really like you i, I love you but we we just can't you know our, our values are different or our dynamic is different and it's just not going to work um and then we don't have to break up as you know, acrimoniously. So um, what I want to do now is, is just um, run through my ideas of how, like, how do you build a relationship that lasts um, based on that. Um, so I'm just going to share the screen so I can run through this. Okay, so so basically, relationships ultimately break down because one or both partners think that they're going to be better off single or with someone else. And so that's, that's really the decision, the breaking point when someone feels that. And so um, a relationship that lasts is going to be one where you get everything that you need from the relationship and some of the things that you think that you're going to want and this goes back to the expectations aren't really going to be the things that um you really need um so it's really about and this is what i, I call the love tank sort of taken from the the five love languages 
is that ultimately what we want to feel is we want to feel loved. We want to feel full of love. And so really for a relationship to be built to last, it has to be, you don't necessarily have to call them soulmates, but you need to have that, that state where you feel that you're going to be, you're better off being with this person than you could be on your own or with someone else. And that's the point where the relationship is um, so fulfilling and satisfying that it's going to last. And so why I talk about building a built to last relationship. And so we've got four quadrants here and the only relationship that's really built to last is, is this one. That's, that's the only one that's going to make you feel that kind of love that we're looking for from a relationship. And so the two dimensions that determine that are knowing what to do and the commitment of being able to do it. Because what we've got here, where, we, where you've got the commitment, but not the knowledge how to do it, which is kind of like a fly bashing against the window, it just becomes frustrating. And if you have the knowledge of how to do it, but you don't have the commitment, then it's just really a casual, convenient a relationship of convenience. So, um, and so really it's about, it's about skills. How you get that relationship is about, it's about having, um, knowing how to being aware of relationship dynamics, being aware of what you need in a relationship, being aware of, um, or, or having the acceptance of yourself so that you have that strong emotional foundation. It's having the dating skills so that you go, you're able to go and find enough people so you're not jumping at the first person um, and then it's about being able to structure a relationship that works and then manage the climate so that the relationship um, thrives and and stands the test of time and so really there's a there's um, four key elements there's the choosing the right partner there's what I call the relationship operating system which is the framework of your ideas of how a relationship is going to work. It's having the emotional foundation to be able to, to be confident, to be yourself, to stand up and say, this is, this is what I want. This is right. And this isn't right in a relationship. And then it's about the relationship skills to be able to have the communication, to be able to resolve conflict. So how do you build it? And this is like the analogy for me is, is the three little piggies. You know, where one, one built their house out of straw, one built it out of wood, and, and one took the time and went through bricklaying school and built, you know, a, a house that's built to last. So in project management, there's a, a project management triangle, which is like you can have it quick, you can have it quality, and you can have it, um, I can't remember the third one offhand, but... Um, and and I think... Sorry? To last. To last. Okay. So it is the same thing. So, and the same way with relationships, I think you can have them satisfying. You can have them sustainable or speedy. You can have two of the three, but you can't have all three. And so what happens when people have uh, a lack of personal foundations, they're anxious that they're never going to get in a relationship that lasts. And so they jump into trying to make a relationship last. You know, they meet someone that's sort of they're attracted to, or it's lust or whatever. And they are really want this relationship to last. And so they jump in too quick. And so I think you have to take your time. So 
the way that you have a built to last is you replace the speedy for simple. And by simple, I mean, it's um, satisfying. It's, um, it, 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 it's, does, it is low, is low friction. So the three keys, the three keys to building a relation uh, built to last relationship is having the right relationship, the right partner, and you being in the right state to be your best self. So the right relationship is satisfying, so it works for both. It's simple, so there's um, clear expectations, clear understanding, um, knowing, like low friction, and uh, it's sustainable. It's 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 not gonna, it's not based on. I'm putting in loads of effort and so it's going to feel great for six months, but I'm not going to keep that up for five or 10 years. So then it's about the, the uh, right state. So it's that you've done the work to know who you are, to know what you need, to be able to ask for what you want um, and to be able to be your best self in that relationship. And so that means that you're also going to be being your best self means that, you're going to come to it mature. You're going to come to it um, knowing what you need, but also knowing and with an intention to understand and support the other person so that they get what they need. Because both people have to be in that state of feeling like the relationship, this is really the relationship for me. And so it, it needs compassion to, to care about how the other person's feeling. It's not just like I, so a lot of relationships break because people were like, well, I was fine. And, and I, you know, came out of, out of the blue that the other person wasn't happy and that they wanted a divorce. So then the right part, the right partner is about, you need to be able to date effectively in order that you have enough people to, to kind of select from, because you don't want to just jump in because someone has because you're attracted to someone so you need to choose the partner well and you choose based on the qualities that they have so for example when you if you look at choosing the right partner it's like choosing a cake and what happens is a lot of people go for that they pick for the icing on the cake they pick someone who's six foot plus who's got a good job someone who's really good looking someone who's um not like their ex or, or or whatever reason that they choose them for but none of that bears any any relation to how they're going to be in five or ten years whereas the cake is the qualities and the characteristics that they bring are they committed to a relationship are they understanding are they compassionate are they kind all of those qualities are really the cake that make the relationship and once you've chosen the partner and, and you're building a relationship it's about that commitment it's about not does was talking earlier about you know in a, in a past relationship someone um was looking outside of the relationship and people will do that when the connection goes but you have to have that commitment that this is the relationship we're going to work on building this. So the really the fundamental problem is that we operate on um, 
narrative versus reality. And so why I've got this stumbling on happiness is that what that book is really about is that we don't really know what's going to make us happy. If you ask most people, um, it will be to meet Miss Mr. Wright, to win the lottery um, and to have a house on, on the beach. And yet lottery winners, a year after they won a lottery, are less happy than they were before they won the before they won it because they don't know we're humans we're terrible at knowing what's going to make us happy you can see it in there's research after research that all the things that we think are going to make us happy end up not so it's really about and so this is really the model of the three tasks of how you build a um a great relationship and the enemy of of building a built to last relationship is narrative and narrative is the explanation that we have of why someone does something of what of what it's going to make us happy and so what happens when we let me just, um, just going to mute. We've got some background noise. So, and so, um, oh, I've gone. So true. When we build a, a relationship on narrative, it's always vulnerable and it's fragile. And it's fragile because as soon as that truth is exposed, the whole basis of the relationship comes under threat when we have false expectations so the, the big one for me is like the whole fairy tale model when we expect that the relationship's going to work along the fairy tale model and it doesn't then our explanation is that they weren't the one that we were incompatible um, and therefore they should go look outside of the relationship or end the relationship because that's the only way that they're going to have their happy ever after it leads us to demonize the other person and it leads us away from the solution. And I think the solution comes down to in communication. The, the, the solution is always there in the truth. And so when Sasha was talking about creative, um, solve the problem creatively, I think the real problem is that we don't really know what the problem is because the problem is based in our narratives. And so for me, if you can get to the truth of what the problem is, then you're able to um, get to the, the fundamental dynamics and then you can address them. And that's the way that you can um, solve them creatively because you, you've got a clear understanding of, of what the problem really is. So the three keys to break through our narrative are to challenge and so it's really challenge everything it's understanding that every problem is based in a narrative so if we can understand what the narrative is we can address the problem so and it's our assumptions it's our assumptions about the other person our assumptions about the relationship assumptions about the situation that lead to a false narrative and that's what makes a relationship fragile 
So if we challenge everything, the second task or skill is to accept, is to accept. And what makes us happy isn't objective reality, but it's subjective. It's about the perspective that we have. So sometimes we can't, you know, like the Gottman's talk about unresolvable problems. The way that you resolve them is, or the way that you deal with unresolvable problems is by changing your perspective. And that's about understanding. So, and this goes back to, I can't remember who said this, but I think it was Eula, but about the real person accepting the real person as they are and not the fantasy of, of what you wish they were or what you hope they were. And so it's to love what is and not what you wish it was. And then connect is about once you've accepted the reality, it's about connecting with the other person, connecting with the reality of the situation and choosing to love them. And so, and so connection is, is, is the real key to a relationship. And, and the Gottman's talk about the five to one ratio. Um, I think that's uh, of positive bids to negative, uh, positive interactions to negative. Uh, and a deep relationship is where you feel seen, understood and accepted. And that's, that really goes back to um, Sandra was talking about not solving the problem but about um, being there and just listening and understanding. And so, yeah, so, so for me, that's the, um, that's, that's how you build a built to last relationship. And, and that means that there's three basic areas, which is your personal emotional uh, foundation, your relationship operating system, and then it's the skills. It's the skills of dating so that you choose the right partner of, of knowing how to choose the right person. And then about building the relationship after that. So um, anyone who wants to unmute themselves or any discussion or questions? I think that uh, it's really helpful that the, the, the piece about um, uh, kind of um, self-knowledge um, and recognizing maybe uh, your own um, emotional immaturity, um, but it can be quite difficult to learn those lessons if you've had, um, you, it's kind of like a vicious cycle, isn't it? Because you, if you're emotionally immature, you have potentially chaotic relationships and the lessons in those chaotic relationships are more difficult to learn <laughs> because it's all so chaotic and you're emotionally immature. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah. For, for me, it's about um, immaturity and is about not accepting the truth. I think maturity is about accepting who you are. Um, I, I, I think, you know, when, when you look at anxiety, um, and there's a crisis of anxiety um, in the world at the moment. And, and a lot of that is about we want to portray or we want to be someone other than we are. And it's when we accept who we are that I think is maturity. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, and it's also, it's, it's about who you are and being brave enough 
to stand by that, even if it means the relationship isn't going to work. <laughs> Definitely. I, and for me, it's, it's one of the key, one of the key things is what matters isn't the relationship, but it's your happiness. And you have to prioritize your happiness over the relationship because otherwise the relationship is going to be fragile. And it's not making a relationship with a specific person work, but it's holding out for the quality of the relationship. That's key. And I, and, um, I also think it's, you, that goes on to something that um, uh, uh, one of our group, I've, I've forgotten her, her name, but she, she raised that about, um, you know, that whilst relationships are important, so is your individual sovereignty within that relationship. And, and that goes for the other person also, because nobody wants to be, you know, we talked a lot about um, fixing, um, but there's also, you know, sometimes you can be subsumed or consumed by a relationship and you can almost lose yourself. Uh, and that is also an awful state of affairs. Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to, it, the basic building blocks of a relationship is an individual. And for me, relationship, organization, government, country, any of that, they're all constructs. What fundamentally matters is individuals because it's only individuals that can feel happiness. We're all seeking happiness. We just, um, it's, we, we just don't, we don't necessarily call it that. So what will happen is you'll get into a relationship and, and people do lose themselves. They'll twist themselves out of shape to make the relationship work. But ultimately they're going to seek happiness and it's going to break the relationship because the relationship was built on a narrative. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's such a key point. Can I say something, uh, Rob? Um, sure. I, I think in the, in the West, we don't, um, we don't like pain. I mean, nobody likes pain, but we do everything that we can to distract ourselves from feeling painful, you know. And yeah. I think in order to accept ourselves, we have to accept the, the painful stuff of ourselves. And I think that's the hardest thing. And, and I think sometimes what we can do is project to others and that's where the blame comes in because we're trying to kind of um, exercise or put our pain out there but not necessarily processing it um, I think in the West we're, we're terrible at, at not um, not sitting with that pain and because and, when we sit with it then we can eventually let it go but it's and sometimes we need professional help to help us let it go um, I think the Eastern philosophies, you know, that's brought us meditation. That's, that's more sitting and being. And I think if you can sit and be with yourself then you can, hopefully you can sit and be with someone else. Mm, definitely. I, I, yeah, I think that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's one of the fundamental keys is that, um, I mean, key to conflict is not wanting to be wrong. And part of that is because our society is, is built on shaming people for being wrong. You know, like you go to school and if, you know, if you're like me or the naughty kid in school, um, it's like they try and shame you into conforming. Um, and I think that perhaps that's where the development in, in the West has been. It's about um, conformity and consumerism as well but yeah 
we we have to accept that we're not perfect we have to accept our our, our dark side and accept pain to learn from it sorry he was sorry yeah no no go uh, for it Ben. i was going to say to, to add on what um maddie said i think i think a lot of what causes people uh to be defensive is a feeling of shame of like oh well i can't admit i was i was wrong i got the wrong end of the stick or you know i did something and i i can't own up to it and i can't i can't you know for want of a better expression own my shit you know mm. um which as you say takes emotional maturity but a lot of self-awareness which you know often can you know people don't have well a lot of people don't have naturally and takes things like meditation takes things like therapy and other personal development to have that self-awareness to say yeah this is this is my narrative and this is the kind of problem that it's causing in the relationship and you know but i'm still okay i'm still okay and you know you're still okay you've got your narrative too um mm. Yeah. I, I, I think it, the self-awareness comes when we're willing to be wrong. And, and, I, and not wrong in a sense, I, I think we should, um, you should basic, uh, fundamentally, you look at be strong, not wrong. Um, and what I mean is that we, we beat ourselves up and tell ourselves, oh, if we did this wrong, I must be, I must be rubbish. I'm a, I, you know, I must be a shit person. I'm, I'm terrible. And we avoid the truth because we think we're bad. We mm. think we are unlovable. And that comes from the way that our culture shapes and shames us. Oh. And I think we have to, it, it takes a lot of bravery, um, but self-awareness comes when you're willing to look at those aspects. Don't and it's shame that shuts, shuts off communication. We were talking about building blocks before. Uh, surely both ways a building block is uh, not making a mistake more than once. So yeah, you can, and you, uh, I'm feeding off that from you saying, you know, admitting you're wrong. So you may have made a mistake once, and hopefully, you minim, you you don't make that again, or you minimise it. You know, people can be late, and hopefully that isn't a relationship breaker. Uh, you can be late more than once, but hopefully you're minimising it. Uh, but no, you know, stopping your mistakes or minimising them. But then again, also if you flip that not keep putting up with certain behaviour, uh, you know, whether people are making mistakes. If somebody's cheated on you, potentially if it's once, that's a great debate, but, you know, whether you put up with that once and you never put up with it again of that individual, so that if somebody's done something once, um, not, being, not putting up with it again. I think it's about having the same values and stuff like that. Like having self worth and stuff like that when it comes to stuff, things like that. Yeah. So, you know, just not, uh, probably Sasha's feeding onto my point is to say, just stop putting up with certain behavior or certain. But if, if you have a certain level of self worth 
It's not about putting up with behaviour. It's about knowing that it's not right for any human being to be treated like that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, it, think- it does. I think they um, relate did some work in schools and they found that 65% of people thought what was abusive was normal. So I think what um, a lot of the problem is, is that we have such bad role models in relationships that if you've grown up <clears throat> in, a, in a household with that kind of relationship, you think that's normal. And so that can be, that can be a, a big problem. I, I think just, just to touch on what Daz said, I think it's not so much the, the problem of, of making mistakes. Um, it's about the intention behind it. So um, I'm trying to think of an example, but um, my girlfriend and I, we, we have different styles. We have different um, uh, ways that we would do housework or that, or levels of comfort. And so we'll be out of sync and it's not necessarily a mistake. It's just um, understanding and understanding what the real issue is. Um, and I mean, Different um, standards. Yeah, I mean, like, like, which relates to the different. Okay, so like, um, I'm trying to think. Or is it, okay, so let's use the example of lateness. Someone's always like five minutes late, and it's, it, it, that can be cultural. That can be sort of a personal style of someone being more relaxed. Someone's always early. Um, that's going to be a continual source of friction. And it's not going to be that you're going to go, okay, oh, oh, well, it was late. I'm, I'm never going to do that again because that's part of the makeup of the person. And it's about understanding. Um, was that really an intention or was, was it a fact that they is part of who they are? And that's the way that's an unresolvable problem. Does that make sense? You're saying about intention, Rob, but, uh, you know, there might be somebody, if they're late often, uh, but it could have been half an hour one day, and then you can see, again, it's make making effort. So it might be five minutes the next week, but you can see, hang on, they're making effort to improve, and they're putting the effort into that relationship. Okay, so this is where we get into the narrative. Because what, what you're... When you're like what one person is going to see it that way, and they're going to say you're not putting effort in, you don't care. That's the narrative. So the reality is that some people are made differently. So this is where you have to communicate. You have to go, okay. So look, you're late. You know, it, I'm sitting there, and I feel like you don't value me. I I feel like you've got no respect for me, no respect for my time. It's making me upset because um, I'm. And what's really making me upset isn't that you were five, 10, 20 minutes late. It's the fact that I feel unvalued because you don't care enough to get there on time. So when you have that level of communication, then the other person say, well, I, I, I really didn't mean it like that. You know, I, I, I just, um, just didn't, didn't have that. You know, I wasn't thinking like that. I was thinking you would be there and, it would be, um, it would be fine, and and we get on and have a nice time. Do you understand? It, it's there's a difference between the narrative and the, it's it's understanding. It's getting beyond the surface level behaviour and getting down into what was the intention, um, 
because we're going to misread that their intention was that they didn't care. And it's, it's about having a completely different perspective. And that's about understanding who they are as a person. But feeding on to somebody else's point in that example, five, five minutes, it's still reasonable as well, isn't it? You know, in the bigger picture, you could be spending 20 years with that person and what's five minutes going to hurt? It would be reasonable. Yeah, it's about understanding what they really meant. And, and, and so this is where the communication comes in. And it's like, okay, look, I'm really upset. It feels like you didn't value me. And then I was going, no, 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 it's nothing to do with that. It's just, you know, the kids were there and, and I couldn't leave. And, and I, I wondered, and it may be that some people are like, they want to make everyone happy. And, and so they do this. And it's understanding that pattern. And when you get to that, that's the way that you change someone like that. Because they're not going to change their five minute, you know, being late. Because they're going to go, well, he's, he, you know, like, he doesn't understand. I've got this, you know, I've got work that keeping me behind. I've got, I've got to make sure the kids are okay. I need to make sure people are okay. He doesn't care about um, that. All he cares about is he had to sit in a bar for five, ten minutes. Do you understand why two narratives cause that problem? Um, guys, I'm going to have to go, I'm afraid, but thank you very much for an excellent evening once again. So, hey, thanks see you for next being here, Amy. Emma. Cheers, guys. Bye. 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 I just um, ask your thoughts about, you know, when it comes to conflict, and it's, it's generally, I, I could be completely wrong, but most conflicts not because two people want different things. And going back to when they were talk, to a couple of people were talking earlier about um, wanting different, two people wanting different things mm. and it being about being right or wrong. In, is it not like, in, if it is about just two people wanting different things, is it not better? So, okay, let's not look at, what's right and what's wrong and who's right and who's wrong and what's instead let's look at what's best for the relationship then it's not about one person getting their own way or one person being right or wrong it's like then they can, that communication can then happen then if the, both of them are working towards let's try and figure out what's best is that the underpin would you say that's the underpin for conflict and the way to resolve it or is it is there a lot more to why these conflicts come up? Um, yeah, that's exactly how you resolve it. You resolve. So this is what's happening. So right, right and wrong is binary. And both of those are narrative. Whether you're right, whether you're wrong, depends on your narrative. So it's not about right or wrong. It's about right, what, what makes that. So what you're looking at is we have this conflict now, ultimately, everyone agrees that at the point of everyone wants to be happy, everyone wants to be loved, everyone wants to love. When you get to that level, everyone agrees. Where we disagree is on how you get there. And so the, the level of conflict, what you need to get to is, okay, is, is understanding, is understanding of, okay, so this is really important to you. Why is it important to you? You know, and it may be about money. It may be like, this is really important to me um, because I get scared if you, when you spend a lot of money. Or it may be like um, in, in Daz's example of, of the time, you know, it, I get really 
um, I get really hurt when you're late because it feels like you don't care. Because we're not really arguing about the time. We're not really arguing about the toothbrush. We're not really arguing about the money that was spent. We're arguing fundamentally about a difference of how we're going to get happy, how we're going to feel loved. And what you need to get to is the makeup of what's what does someone believe about money what does someone believe about time what does someone believe about the toothpaste cap being off and when you get and when when you can open up that communication then you can understand each other and then you can you can agree or or realize that you have fundamentally different values that aren't going to work well it's it's, it does it not always boil down to what somebody wants so so somebody wants the toothpaste to be kept more clean somebody is not really bothered about the level of um how clean things should be or somebody wants to enjoy money more and somebody versus the other person that doesn't want to enjoy money or wants to save for example or like, does it not always boil down to just different wants? And rather than looking at what's the best way, who's right and wrong? Um, yes. Yeah, so, okay. So, so all, you know, when two people get together, they have two different visions for the relationship. Maybe like they haven't clearly articulated it, but they, they have an idea of how they want the relationship to be. And they want this person to behave like this so it fits into their vision. Um, and the other person wants something different. And so, yes, you've got, you, what you've got is this clash of two different ideas. And this is where, you know, I was talking about um, the stumbling on happiness, Daniel Gilbert, I think. Um, and that is because that vision that you have of how you think a relationship should be, that isn't going to make you happy. Because, and, and the part of being in a, in a relationship is that you don't have to change for a great relationship, but a great relationship will change you. And so what will happen is in the, in the diversity, in the change between what you both want, in understanding that, going deeper in understanding why and what, what, what your makeup is, then you can come to a point that's a higher level, um, that is, is an enhanced vision for both of you. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of groupthink. So it's basically yeah. where a group of, of too many like-minded people will go, yes, 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 we will agree with that, make terrible decisions. And what makes great decisions is where there's argument and where there's conflict because it enlarges. It means that people have to go beyond Develop, their own. Grow, yeah. yeah, and the same thing with relationship. So that's why you need some differences because you need other what we all want is we want to be in this bubble of, of the perfect life and money just roll into us, the perfect partner roll into us relationship be easy. We lie on the beach and don't have to do anything. Yet actually people who have that people who've made fortunes um, are then like, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do in my life? I need some meaning. We need, what we need is really meaning. We need, you know, it's, it's this whole thing of, I need to feel significant that I've done something worthwhile. I need to feel that I've made a difference to the world and I need to feel that I love people and they love me. And so all of these clashes are about getting to a deeper sense of ourself. Uh, and so it's like, sorry, uh, sorry, Errol. No, all I was going to say was I, I'm hearing two different things there. So one of them is 
uh, around the be about the toothpaste or the toothbrush, uh, where I think what you are saying is actually get away from the toothbrush and go down to the value system. Uh, so is it the toothbrush or is it the cleanliness or ideas around that? What is the value around that? What, what is making, how is it making you feel? It's a bit like when we talked about the lateness. It's not about the lateness. It's the fact that you feel insulted or not cared for because the other person is not making the effort to be there on time. So get down to how does it make me feel bit rather than you are doing this or you are not doing that. And what is, what does it make you feel? What's your value around that? I think that's one of the points you're making. Um, and the other one is around the variety in that don't expect your partner to be perfect because, you know, it, maybe it's going to be a bit too square. Um, and you actually, differences can be quite helpful in terms of coming up with ideas because people ought to have differences because then they have a different perspective on things. and. And therefore, that's not wrong. In fact, that's healthy because they may have a better idea. And you go, oh, right, yeah, I never thought of that. Excellent. You are more creative. You come up with a better idea than I have. I'm more practical. I can just get on with it. I think those two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I trained as a mediator. And in mediation... Sorry, I'm just going to say goodbye and leave you. But thank you very much, Kate. Good night, everybody. Thanks for being here, bye. 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 Okay, bye. Bye. Um, yeah, so I, I trained as a mediator, and so what you do in, in mediation is you've got two parties that can't come to an agreement. Um, and so basically the process of mediation is because it's like I'm an intermediary, I don't care either way. What I can do is I can get to what someone really feels, what they really fear, um, and understand what they've got to lose and what they really want and do that for both people and it becomes that bridge and so the reason that we don't have clear communication is, is and, and we can't resolve the problem is because we don't trust the other person um, and it's that lack of trust of being able to reveal or, or, it's the, or it's the inability to be vulnerable of say what this really means to me and, that, and that's why people argue so vehem vehemently about something silly because they're scared to say how they really feel. I guess I have a question. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. Is that Lucy? Um, I have a question about that sort of like selecting the right partner because I heard so many things about like people becoming good partners for each other rather than finding the right one. And I'm sort of just at the looking stage and the, the dating things. But I would have the intention to be like very upfront about who I am and trying to discuss things very early on and kind of have that to aid to find the right partner, to know that we are on the same page and there are not fundamental incompatibilities. But then many people are kind of freaked out of that. It kind of like this sort of being open and upfront came in our uh, group discussion as well, but I don't know what sort of like right limits to it. You can't like at the first date yeah. say everything totally. So I don't know how does it actually like what's what's the key to or not key, but what people think is important in that skill of looking for the right partner. I I personally I, I think um, you know that stuff 
but you don't necessarily need to talk it up front because you don't, you don't know. So what you have these things of like, I need someone that's going to be compassionate. I need someone that's going to be kind. I need someone that's interested in committed and a problem that, so a lot of people will say that up front first date. And then it's like, Whoa, hang on. I don't even know, you know, let's have finish the coffee or I don't know if I'm interested yet. So, um, It's, it's like on an advert, they don't necessarily tell you the full details. An advert is just like a 30 second clip that will get you an interest. And so I think, first of all, um, you're quite light. But because the other thing is that sometimes people will be so worried. Um, and it's and, and what it is, is, is like, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to get hurt. And so they go, this, 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 this. And so what happens is you can get people who are less than honest and you've just told them exactly what they need to tell you to get you into bed or, or whatever they want in the short mm -hmm. term and then just walk off. And so there are people who will pretend and can pretend very well for a short term relationship. So you don't need to, it doesn't matter what someone says, because if you sit down and you, and you have a conversation with someone and they're, they're going to go, yes, I'm like this, and, and they're going to tell you that. But it's not what people say. It's what they do. And so this is why um, I, I, I think you just be relaxed, because all you're doing, the key in dating is you connect to someone. And you're not going to, you, you connect to someone at different levels. And I think everyone's an individual, everyone's human has feelings, hopes and fears. You connect to them. You might not ever want to see them again, but I think there's just a basic humanity. If you can connect to everyone's humanity, that's the way that when you do find someone that you're interested, they're interested, then that's like you say, there's, there's, a, there's a range of behaviors that one person can display. They can be a great partner for one person and a terrible partner for another based on how the relationship makes them feel. So all you're looking to do is to connect and you'll connect just from curiosity. What do they want? What do they think? Just basic humanity. Without... I think one of the things that you're trying to say though, is that um, it's not that you're performing when you meet somebody, it's not a performance. So you're focus if you focus on your behavior and what you want to say and you don't observe the other person and you're not interacting with them, then you are doing yourself a disservice, I think, because you'll never find out what the other person is feeling. You're not, you're not playing along with the, you know, the atmosphere that is uh, you know, being generated between both of you. You're, you're concentrating on how you come across, what you want to tell that person, how you want them to view you, etc. But you're not taking in anything of the other person. Yeah, and just, just relax. And yeah, you have to relax. You have let to it, relax. let it unfold. Uh, yeah, just, just let it unfold naturally. Just relax, like, yeah, to get to know the person. Yeah, I do that. But then in some senses, like sometimes it goes on and you have more and more dates and you keep discussing just sort of small talking. You don't get to who you actually are. So like discussing something more meaningful, like, I don't know. Um, like then it kind of keeps being quite long. I don't, 
it's it wasn't that much about what am I looking for, but more like being upfront about who I am and. But would that what's... would that not be a sign that it's not going anywhere? I don't know. It depends how long it is, and some people are just sort of. I don't know. Also, someone needs to make that kind of step. Like someone needs to initiate that those things will be discussed. Otherwise, you will end up small talking, even if you maybe not wish, because. It's just sort of easier to small talk. You have to be careful that you don't come across as though you're interviewing for a, for a position, <laughs> for a job. Yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. So, like, I don't know where, where is the line of, like, moving on, but at the same time not looking like I'm already thinking about what will happen in 20 years and all of that. It, it, that that's what the connection is. So... Basically, you sit and you have a conversation and you're, you're interested. And the, that level of conversation, that connection of wanting to understand them, of being interested in them, is going gonna, is gonna to go to, okay, so eventually it's going to go, you know, just there is that like surface level talk that people do on first dates, which is like you're trying to impress someone, trying um all that stuff but it's no it's like okay well you know um they're talking about the job okay, why did you do that job you know what what got you into that field and then they're gonna, there's going to be a story and they're going to talk about their relationship and how did you feel what what did this happen um and when you do that if it doesn't go deeper it's probably because they don't want to it means that they don't want to show you and so if you're genuinely interested not that you have any um checklist like I think you should have that checklist, but you 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 put that checklist six months is when you bring that checklist out. Do they meet the? Do they do this? Do they do this? Until that time, all you're doing is connecting. You're connecting yeah, and seeing who they are. That's a really good way to get to the deeper level of the person by asking the sorts of questions that Rob said because it it's more natural. It doesn't come across, but you still get a sense of the person, and they can still get a sense of you. It's just a genuine connection, a genuine interest in who they are, not in what they can bring you, but who are they? What, what made you? What happened in your childhood? You know, what, who, what's made you who you are? Yeah, you can, it's you can just... scare people off, but you can scare people off who could be a, a, a pretty good partner or you could have a, a relationship with if you start to be too intense too soon and on a first date, I know that I am very protective of myself and my, what I am, uh, who I am. And so if you start to ask me quest, certain questions on a first date, I will tell you it was nice talking to you, but I think I'm leaving, right? This, let's, let's just call it, you know, let's just end this. Some things I think come out in an organic fashion as you talk, you say, hey, but I like that too. Do you like, and it starts. Okay, that's one thing. Um, I, th I think if you go with a list, people can feel very threatened. What is this? Am I just going to be a, a person who ticks the boxes? What about me, the individual? What about just liking me? I mean, do you even, you know, do you like me? What, what, what about me do you like, apart from these things that are in the box? Because having tick, ticking, um, ticking all of the boxes doesn't mean that you like the person genuinely either. 
Yeah, I, I didn't really mean ticking boxes, but no, you know what I, but you know what I mean. I, yeah, you know, maybe like like sharing more deeper things about myself. But then if you are not getting that back, it's sort of yeah. I don't know. I just have very recent strange experience. <laughs> I think the first day is you, you want to look at it as like a thirty second advert for the whole thing. So you you don't want to tell everyone everything. You don't want to. You're not going to see everything, but just letting it organically unfold if it doesn't go deeper then um over over time then they're probably not the person that's going to have that level of conversation that you want and so that's a filter for you you treat yeah. it like rather just than, for me rather six than... months sorry go on uh, rather than an advert i just wonder whether you could treat it like uh might be a bit cheesy but like a box set, like a TV series. So you don't want to see everything in uh, episode one, but you know, with the right person, you want to. You're looking forward to episode two, episode three, and not finding out everything. You know, and we've we've touched upon uh, not interrogating people, not interviewing people. Let it flow. You gradually get to know somebody. Not suddenly. I want to know whether you want kids or I want to know about you. I met somebody um, after a casual meeting, someone in a bar, met him the next day and I felt interrogated when they invited me around my house, asking about all my past and my past relationship and on the first time of a of, of meeting and it felt interrogated. It didn't feel natural. Like asking about, you know, asking me all sorts of really deep questions on the first time we'd arranged to meet. And I just felt, yeah, I felt like really like light shining on me, interrogated. So it just put me off. <laughs> yeah, I think I've been doing that definitely in questions sort of thing. But yeah, um, I don't know. So, also so like six months sounds like quite a lot to invest into one person to try to get to know them just to find out something is like very fundamental. I think after yeah. maybe about three or four days, so you get an idea whether it's going somewhere or not. Hmm. To to know yeah. whether it's worth to get to know them deeper and more and whatever. So, okay. So, what's your fear? I don't know. I just have no idea how to do these things. <laughs> like, I only had the experience with one guy so far who was like all the time I never even asked about any of his previous relationships or anything like that and he has been just repeating like I'm over my previous relationship it's been very long and then suddenly it comes like he was actually saying that to persuade himself about it that it wasn't true but yeah. like otherwise I have no experience with that I'm uh, just like I'm guess I might be oversharing more about myself I am definitely not interrogating anyone but I am like just trying to be open about what they can expect of me more, I, but I, they I still think... might be feeling like it's a bit too intense and that I'm too serious and all of that. I think Louise has got an answer, but I just want to say before, I think most of it is looking at connecting rather than looking for the relationship and, and just connect with people and eventually you, they'll show themselves to you. Louise, you wanted to talk? I think we need to be careful about um, how much pressure we put on a first date. Um, and sometimes 
having uh, that need to have a conversation because we're not doing anything else. The conversation is the thing. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on what we see and what we're expecting from that. Whereas if you were doing an activity, if you're doing an activity, it, it, it helps to take the pressure off of having to think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to respond to what that person says. And it helps to break the ice, I find. Yeah, I, I, I think it, it, if you knew that you will have a relationship and you will find the right person, it's just a matter of you need to, the way that you'll get there is to connect connect to as many people and, and in connecting you'll know if they're right or not okay i think louise is going to type in All right while we're waiting for louisa has anyone else got comment question um i find it hard just to get out there i think in what in what way well i, I can't engage with online dating sites i really hate them um <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I tend to the things I'm interested in tend to be there tend to be more women in there in the group so mm. um, otherwise it's kind of like a drink culture you know it's going it's being surrounded by alcohol it's pubs and things I don't know um, I tried climbing actually but to be honest you're so focused on on, on the climb that you're not going to Mm. for people um and I'm, I'm the wrong age group anyway um what's yeah, that what do you mean well i'm in my 50s and, and a lot of them are a lot younger when they climb and anyway i i i kind of i'm i'm not i've done my arm in so i can't climb anymore i'm older than you yeah <laughs> and there's lots of life left in me so therefore come on <laughs> let's let, let, let's get going <laughs> where though where do you get going <laughs> oh well no that's a good question so what what is the problem with online dating for you what do you hate um i just can't make that connection with people i can't engage with the computers um i don't know who they are i don't have that sense of trust I can't really differentiate from one to the other. I don't particularly like the photos. I, I, they just put me off. I can't read the non-verbal. I just don't like it. Mm. And, I, and I don't know how to put, phrase myself. I don't know how to put myself down and, uh, on paper either. It makes me feel anxious. Okay. Yeah. So it's about being able to express yourself clear, clear enough to attract the right people. Yeah. And then like what about if you i mean it, online dating is just you've got lots of people but it's not about the connection it's about and it, it's, it's basically the ad for them where you can have a, a phone conversation video conversation um, and that's where you can get some level of connection there is something that you can't get until you're in person but, yes, but the men don't seem to realize that they are putting out an ad. I do not want to see another fish, another tankard of bear, um, chest hairs, you name it. They Snowboarding. are advertising themselves. Huh? <laughs> it's 
skiing and snowboarding and motorbikes, but maybe they yes. think the same thing about us. And just standing in front of a helicopter and a, 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 in the pilots, whatever, and in some speedboat. Come on, fellas. As Pete and Errol and we're all looking at it, all right, let me change that profile now. Sounds like you're in the Navy dating Yeah, I wish I had a helicopter to stand in front of. Well, I'm not speaking to you if you put yourself in front of one, because I'm going to say, that's not yours, you're lying. Exactly, I don't have one. You can see, I've got a cupboard I'm sitting in front of. I would I would say to Maddie that, that certainly for me, because I don't get on very well with online dating either, I find it quite a claustrophobic environment. But I think I, I found Meetup quite helpful. So Meetup, you know, obviously, you know, that we're on now, but things like walks and there are plenty of other events going on which, which don't revolve around pubs and you just get to meet and chat with people. You know, there's quite a lot of picnics and stuff going on. I mean, obviously the weather's not very good at the moment, but you just get to meet people. And quite often you actually get to meet the same people as well because some of the people, same people do go on the same things. So it actually does help you to meet other people, I suppose. So, which I find quite helpful. If you like the talking rather than, which I prefer that as well. I think it's the context, actually. I like to meet people in context. And I think online dating takes out the context. It, yeah, it, do it does. It does, but it's that's just the like way that you meet a lot of people. So if you can treat it, I don't, I don't think anyone really likes online dating. Um, it's, it is, I think it is a, a toxic environment, but it lets you meet lots of people that you can then kind of filter Whittle down. so that, yeah, so that you can get to that other real life where you can then think, have the context. I think Rob, I think I've been on a couple of dating sites and when you say meet, I don't meet anybody. Thanks for being here. Ella. I just have a, I just have a profile. I don't meet yeah. anybody so, on these online dating sites. Okay. So you, you never progress to actually meet them in person? No. Because you don't feel that level of comfort with them? No. I have made, I've made a good friend from um, an online dating site, but he was a friend. Okay. Well, well, have you tried speed dating? speed dating? I have, and that about 10 years ago, uh, but not recently. I think it's superficial. I think it's an artificial construct. I don't think it's organic. Um, I actually quite like the idea of meetup. I just think it's a natural. It takes away the pressure as well. Hmm. You can't make you, may, you can't make a, de a decision about somebody in ten seconds or whatever they give you. I think it's just a money making device. I'm a bit cynical about all these. I don't know. I've never been. On it, is, it is an idea for you to speak to someone after three minutes and whether you want to speak to them again. It doesn't mean you have to date them. I'm not saying it's right for everybody, but it just says if you spoke to me for three minutes. Do you want to speak to me again? Do you want to email me? Do you want to text me? Do you want to call me? It's just it's just a start, isn't it? Yeah. I think you've, you've got it to... Don't mean you have to don't, don't mean you have to sleep with that person next time you meet them. It just means, right, you've spoke to me for three minutes. On that three minutes, do you want to speak to that person again? I've, I've done it. I did it twice last year, and I've done virtual speed dating, which was very unsuccessful over lockdown. Uh, but on speed dating, I've made two people that I've I've become mates with. So it's and it's sometimes it's trying something different like online dating, speed dating, meet up. 
if, if one isn't working, then let's just try something different. And again, yeah. online to me, yeah, it's, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. Um, but it allows you to filter and maybe come across people that your paths never cross. You might commute and you might meet somebody who's a nurse and works nights and you work days, but somehow your paths cross because you're trying something different. I'm, I'm just going to, Louise is finished now because she wasn't able to talk, so I'm just going to read out. Um, and it's, her point is just really to be natural in your dates, see how the guys behave. Um, only mention what really matters for you. For example, if you're looking for a long-term relationship, you need to be clear the person you're dating is looking for a long-term relationship. Um, or maybe you can write an email letter to tell the guy what you want in a relationship only mentioning stuff that really matters for you, the relationship, personality, can't bear, marriage, whether that's important or not, I think. Um, being genuine but reasonable. Yeah. So I would definitely be up for like writing that sort of email or like telling them, but I think that's exactly the thing that's going to be too intense for many people. If I tell them I would like this sort of relationship and... Uh, I don't know, it's my first one and all of these things. It sounds a bit like a contract, I think, is what it makes me think of. You know, you, if, you, if, you, if you, it sounds like a prenup or something, or, or that you're asking someone to agree to something, and obviously, you, you know, you kind of have to grow into a person. The first thing to do is establish whether you like them. And as we're all saying, if you're meeting someone you don't know, you, the first thing you've got to do is work out if they're honest and trustworthy, basically. And that, that can take a while, basically, unless you're really lucky or you're meeting through friends. So I think <laughs> I'd be very wary. I mean, I, mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, I did have online dating, with, and because I'm 44, so I, I'm, I'm at that age where I'm meeting a lot of women who are sort of, if they're single, quite a lot of them want kids. So there's a sense of urgency about it, and I've had that with a few of them, that, that you know, you're sort of chatting to them for the second day, and, and they're immediately talking about, I really want to have children, and, and it's kind of like, whoa, okay. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to meet people, I suppose, you know. I'm thinking about a long-term relationship, but I'm not, I'm not talking to every person trying to have a long-term relationship. I'm just trying to meet people. And, and obviously for me, I was in a nine-year relationship. I'm not that used to talking to women, basically, because my... My ex didn't really like me to, talking to gals generally, basically. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I've got to learn how to do that. Things have moved on you know, since I was on the market before, I suppose. So you've got to adapt to that and, and, and learn what's different, really. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no different for, uh, well, for me, uh, uh, you know, as a female, when I look at the, um, some of the things that the men put on their profiles, they, mm. They're looking for a relation, a long-term relationship. They're looking for the one. Uh, I am not looking for the one or the relationship uh, um, to say that the first person that I, if I meet you, that's the relationship. I, I would like to meet people. And if I like you, then I will pursue it to see if it will go anywhere. But to state up front, so I, I just don't want to even say I like you or can we meet or anything because that's that's too mm. much pressure mm. there there is a theory sorry who's going to talk there is a theory um a mathematical solution to how you choose the right partner and it's basically um you see 37 percent of the profiles 
And then the next person who's better than the last people that you saw, that's the one that you choose. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's basically... There was a TED talk about it, no? <laughs> Sorry? There was a TED talk about this. Yes, it, there's an old mathematical um, formula and it's, it was about... Okay, so how it was originally phrased was there's an, um, an emperor who's got all these beautiful daughters and he says, if you pick one of my daughters and she agrees to marry you, you will have a, a dowry. Um, and they've all got different dowries. And, um, you, but you meet them one by one and you have to say yes or no as they're there. And so the solution is that I think there's 100 daughters and you see 37 of them. The next one who's better than anyone that you've had, that's the one you choose. Um, and so mathematically it, it works out that that, yeah, that is the way that you choose because it, it's not perfect. Um, but it's, 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 it's knowing that you don't need to, um, to like, cause some people are waiting for perfection and some people are jumping too soon, but it's, you can see enough people. I guess my problem is with telling that they are better than the previous 37 because I hate dating apps that they are very superficial. Mm -hmm. Like some of them are better than others, but I just can't tell from the dating app. I chat with them for a while. I still can't tell. I go for free dates and it's been fun. I'm like with any other friends, I can talk with almost anyone, but I still don't know if they are better than the other people. Like it takes ages and a lot of time investment and I need to meet like a few people at once. And then at the same time, like, then both we need to make the decision that we are going to commit to this one rather than to the others. And there's some of that as narrative. So some of that is narrative and that's what you need to get clear of what's narrative and what's true. So um, the, what's kind of driving that is the sense that you can't invest that much time in other people. It's like a, a fear of, I can't invest time and it'd be wasted. So I invested a lot and then, <laughs> like it turns out, often doesn't work out from the other side. So, yeah. so building a relationship that lasts is a process. Mm -hmm. that, that process means finding the right person. It's better that you spend six months and I'm not saying that you have to be with someone six months, but connect. You, you really like them. You were invested in them. It's better mm -hmm. that you find out six months that they dumped you and, and they want the right person. And, and, and you feel that you wasted time. You didn't waste that time. You got clearer. Mm -hmm. you, you, there's a certain amount of people you want to, and this is what I'm talking about. You connect. And there's some people you're going to go, well, I, I connected them. And I had a great conversation, but it's not that that's not wasted. Because the more honestly you can connect, the quicker you'll get to if they're right or if they're not. Mm -hmm. And so you need to be really clear that your, your list, like it's, it's like they need to be able to want a serious relationship. They need to talk about the stuff. Some people won't ever have done that, but they might grow to in a relationship if you have the connection. Yeah. So it's That's getting really training. clear really clear on what your list what is non-negotiable that is really non-negotiable not narrative that is non-negotiable mm -hmm. and so that this is the the other thing is that so many people have these lists 
that will, aren't the things that will make them happy. They meet someone who ticks all these lists. Five years later, they're, they're dead miserable. So there's, you have to realize there's stuff that's in a blind spot that you're not seeing. Um, and if you can let it unfold naturally, it won't ever be wasted because you're just connecting. If you can connect to the humanity of everyone, connect to who they really are, you'll see them quicker and you'll get there quicker than, than you would otherwise. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't need to also solve my problems. I mean, I was just throwing it out in the discussion. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's a common... And try to connect with the people. It's, it's a common issue. One and, by one, but, yeah, um, and that, that's why I, I'm kind of picking and, and, and trying to get underneath it. Um, but it's really interesting. Very good advice from all of you. Okay, I'm glad you found it. Uh, I'm just going to speak out Louise's because uh, she hasn't got voice at the moment. Um, that's why you need to see how they behave. Like actions speak louder than words. Um, how and she's asking, how do you understand what other people need? So for me, that's you connect and it's curiosity. What makes you who you are? What do you really? What really drives? What, what do you really want? That's how you understand. I don't know if, what anyone else's view is. You ask them, I think. Mm. But, but you do it in a roundabout way, don't you? Hope, hopefully it happens. I mean, I'm not great for small talk, to be fair, so I do tend to jump mm. into deep stuff quite quickly. Generally, that's kind of my way, basically. That's, uh, I think you know, I, I, I quite like just asking people, <laughs> really. But you can do it in a way, I think, that doesn't scare them off. You have to pick your moment. I think if you go in there with preconceived ideas of what you're going to get out, you know, if you go into a date with, like, objectives, then I think that's you're on the hiding to nothing there, I reckon, because you're probably going to end up getting a response you don't like. Even if that person actually, if you let let, let it develop naturally, you they, you might get the response you like. I think really. Or, or the alternative is you're going to get someone who you don't want to be in a relationship, but they're going to play you because you've told yeah, them exactly what you need to them, that, what they need to pretend to be. You, but there are subtle ways, aren't there? I mean, mm. I mean, it's oh, funny because yeah. we, we were in our breakout session earlier. We we were kind of talking about that there's a difference between sort of trying to help someone or, or not helps the wrong word, but, but like try, you know, in a, when you're in a relationship, you obviously, you try and make each, each other better, don't you? So, so that there's, there's a bit of education and sort of trying to help people, you know, help each other out to become better people. But, but there's a boundary between that and manipulation, isn't there? Or control. And I think in terms of the way you interact with people, there are ways that you can, you can subtly sort of, test someone if you see one I mean, it sounds terrible it, basically but but in your situation if you really do have these lists you know like like set little tests for them i suppose but no, nothing nasty but but you know quite often because actions do speak louder than words you can probably find out quite easily if you sort of <laughs> but that means that you you're going to need to invest in um, um, a few more dates. This is the thing. You will never on a first date get no, all no, the no. information that you want to get to feel comfortable that this is the one. It's just not feasible. And so yeah. to me, the first date is a 
it's, it's, it's a seeking out experience. It's, it's a kind of flitting around to see whether or not there is, um, we, we like to be in the same space. We can have a, a conversation, etc. It is fine. It's a finding out. It is seeing whether or not you can, you like to be with each other in each other's space and you can have a, a conversation that flows. I'm talking to somebody um, who said hello to me. And if I write a sentence to say, oh, and how is the weather today? You know, the usual generic stuff, but just to break the ice, I'll get, mm. it's fine, full stop. And then you try again. Yeah, it's okay, full stop. I mean, you know, I've just about given up because nothing comes back. It's the answer, yeah. direct answer to anything that I propose. And to me, that is not a conversation. No, there's, there's definitely something for, I mean, I mean, a friend of mine who's, who's happily married and has been so for sort of 15 years, 15 years, she said to me that relationships aren't supposed to be that hard work, if you see what I mean. I think, I mean, I'm not saying you don't have to put effort into it, but if you're having to put that much effort into having a conversation, then that person's probably not right for you, I don't think, really, are they? So. Even at the beginning. I'm, I'm saying, if, if you meet somebody and the conversation is flowing, you find that you can laugh on, about some things if you find funny, because that is also part of discovering what the person is like. Um, the big lists, yes, it's the big things, but can't, do you have the same sense of humor? Do you find the same things funny? Do you like, do you see that you like the same things to eat, similar things to eat? Those little things add up with these casual dates and they are important because of course we all sometimes hear i can't remember the exact phrase but it's the little things that count you know um and so uh, i think we must not um think that the the big list is the only thing that is important yeah. the little things that start from the very first time you meet that person they all contribute to me, your impression of that person. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people aren't very confident either. I mean, personally, you know, when I go on dates, I'm nervous. So I, I'm not, I don't actually act in a way that I normally act, basically, because, and that's the thing. So if, if someone was going on a first date with me, it probably wouldn't give a very good representation of who I actually am. Possibly even the second or third time as well, unless there was an instant connection. I mean, I was lucky with my ex that, that we actually did have a, it was like a shot of lightning. You know, we, we literally did just meet, basically. Uh, that we were introduced by mutual friends and she'd apparently known about me for a year and I, and, and my, and my, I only knew about her about a week before, basically, <laughs> which, which was kind of my friend's name. So I, I didn't have like, lots of time to worry about it. And she decided that, that she quite liked the look at me or whatever. So, and, it, and, and as soon as we met each other, you know, it, we, we just knew that, that we were going to have a relationship, basically. But, but I mean, you know, after that, I don't know what it's going to be like again, basically. You know, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be pretty amazing if I had that again. But I suppose, you know, I've got to be a bit more um, circumspect. I mean, it didn't last, so. So I was quite interested in how you said about the tests as well, because um, I, I'm kind of fun of that because I'm a very outdoorsy person. And always when I go outdoors with people, I feel that, that's when they really uncover their real personality. Yeah. Like if I go like bald camping with someone and like get to know them better with these situations. I think, I think there's nothing wrong in that. You know, it's not manipulation really. You're, you're just finding 
but just finding out what a person's like. But it's better to do it that way, I think, like subtly, than it is to, to start asking them, because they'll just back off. I'm telling you, know, yeah. as a man, you, it, if you meet a man who's going to sort of deal with, you know, or answer those questions, you know, like Sandra said, then you probably need to run, you know, miles from them, because they're probably not the person, they're probably playing you. But not only that, if, we, if you're in an, um, a relaxing environment, things come um, more naturally and it's more open. If you're in an environment where you're stressed or you, you know, you're, you're tense, you're going to be guarded answers you are, or no answer at all or uh, an answer that is uh, to, to lead you off the truth. So um, whereas in a spontaneous, a spontaneous reaction is usually the truth to something. Yeah. You know, it's the real, you see the real person. It's what you, you want to see, what you want to hear. Whereas if you ask me a straightforward question and I don't want to answer you, I am going to give you a very guarded response, which tells you absolutely nothing and is going to frustrate you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I mean, I mean I, apologies for people who don't drink, but it is like generally, if you want to find out honestly about them, then just get absolutely hammered with them is generally the way to go, I think, basically. Probably, probably not necessarily the best way, basically, but, but, it, but if you do want to see what people are really like, then getting drunk with them is a very good way. But I, personally, for me, I wouldn't want to do that on the first date, but I well, think not on a lunch it would have to work. happen quite quickly, I think. <laughs> You won't remember what they said anyway if you're drunk. I know, I will. I got, <laughs> no, 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 believe you me. I still need them very not good. to like rape me or whatever. <laughs> you could get them to sign your contract then, basically, Lucy. I, mean. <laughs> I feel it's a bit dangerous <laughs> to get drunk on <laughs> early dates. <laughs> My friend had some very creepy situations happening from online dating. Without even being drunk. That, no, I, well, I think you have to be. That, I think that's why I'd say not a first date. <laughs> well, I, I, I think something like a walk or a coffee or something. I mean, we were talking about this last week, weren't we? But I think a walk or a coffee or something like that or lunch. Yeah, yeah. Is probably good for a first date. It needs to be something. I don't want to say innocuous, but you know, something quite light. I think really. All I'm saying is that you know, within like a month or something, if I would expect that that if someone and then we go out and you know have a few drinks, and then you see their true colours. In my experience, so I would go camping instead of them usually. Yeah, well, that's good. In that situation, sorry. That's yeah, that's good. Camping's good. Kind of alternative to the drinking. Yeah, well, I mean, there are other non-alcoholic ways. I mean. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> the great outdoors and you know campfires and stuff is very a very good way of getting people to be philosophical as well. Really. <laughs> I'm I mean, not against alcohol or anything, but <laughs> well, if you like the outdoors and the other person doesn't like, you will know right up front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm looking for people who have at least some sort of slight intention to go outdoors with me. Right, there you go. <laughs> we, um, so next week we've got um, about uh, getting over divorce and breakup. But the one after that, we've got Sanjay was on the call last week. 
is uh, founder of a, a dating app. So he's offered to do a call of talking about what works on dating apps, how dating apps work. Mm. Um, so that might be, um, that should be an interesting call to, you know, get like the inside information. And maybe he'll have some thoughts on like this initial connection and how you can go bridge across that kind of artificial connection um, and um, like how you develop that out. It's like, like another good friend of mine who's seen, she, she said, you've just got to try and keep like, like smiling, I think, really. Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of rejection in, in any type of looking for relationships. And you just have to not let it get you down. It's like looking for a job, I suppose, as well, isn't it? You know, it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of a similar thing. You know, you, get, you, you don't even get, you do lots of application forms. Sometimes you don't even hear back. You know, other times you get interviews, you think it went well, it didn't go well, you know. And eventually, hopefully, if you just keep at it and keep that momentum and you, you finally get a job, don't you, basically? Mm. But you have to obviously go through those sort of 30 or 50 things where you didn't get anywhere to get to the one that really matters, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think it's that, it's that mindset of treating it like a project and not being emotional about it. Yeah. Because if you tra treat it emotionally like it's, it's you, you know, excited, dejected, um, then it's just a roller coaster, and, it, and it's yeah. I think a, a dating app is just somewhere where you can find some people who you can connect with, and some, and then from there, it's just then it has to become real. Yeah. And well, it, it does or it doesn't. What you were saying. But eventually, you need to decide to become real and become vulnerable. Otherwise, it doesn't lead anywhere. Oh, yeah. definitely. And if someone doesn't. You know, like if you've been out three or four dates and, and you're not going beyond small talk, that means that they, they don't probably, either they're a person that stays on small talk because they don't want to go beyond or they're not going to open up. And that, Which that's means they've definitely got something to hide, generally mm. would be. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hmm. Okay, well, thank you everyone for being here. Um, enjoyed the discussion. Um, and... Hopefully see you next week or if you can't make it next week will be every uh, whichever Monday you can make. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.